This is The Rooted Podcast, a conversation about the Christian worldview and its implications for every part of life. The Rooted Podcast is hosted by Steve Royce and Brady Johnson. Together, they have over two decades of experience in the business and tech industries and share a desire to help others filter all of life through the Christian faith. Thanks for listening to The Rooted Podcast. I'm Steve. And I'm Brady. And on this episode, we're going to just have a little bit more of an in-depth discussion on free will. So if you were uh, listening uh, the last couple of weeks, uh, we've talked quite a bit about free will. And uh, Steve did a a bit of a deep dive uh, on fruit snacks going into whether or not free will is really that valuable in light of all the evil and everything that we see in the world. And I figured we could just... You know, maybe have a discussion between the two of us talking a little bit more about that. I know there's a lot covered in that. I think a couple of those fruit snacks were like 15 minutes or or more. So uh, it was a really good week of of deep diving there, just with you. But yeah, with this series, we've I've really started pushing the boundaries of what is a fruit snack. These are more like fruit gulps at yeah. times, but sometimes yeah. you need a heartier snack. Though. Well, and and I didn't want to unnecessarily stretch the content out either and have like you know four minute episodes i'd rather just cram it in to a shorter amount of time but just put a little more meat on the bone and then we can get through also because some of the content's really hard Mm -hmm. so the the faster we can (laughs) the faster we can get through some of that early stuff the better yeah well and i think you know the last several weeks that's kind of been a big topic again we always come back to in light of this, we have free will or because of this, we, you know, we're looking at free will as the root or yep. whatever. So I think having a, a better understanding and looking at it more in depth is definitely important. So. Yeah. There's a Christian philosopher by the name of Alvin Plantinga who has, he's written pretty extensively on problem of evil and free will and all this stuff. And for him, it's just, it is the defeater of the problem of evil at least the logical version is just it's it's free will like if we are actually significantly free meaning that we can do other than what we choose to do then there's no issue there's just no problem with how a all good all powerful and holy god can exist and evil and suffering can also exist in the world it's just for him he makes the case that it's it all boils down to free will. So as we've said before, if you don't happen to subscribe to libertarian free will, if you're a compatibilist or a determinist, then you you need to offer a different answer. Right. And they have. Um, but for for uh, for for my money, it free will is just it's sort of the silver bullet, yeah. at least with the logical problem of uh of evil and that's not to say that I, I believe it because because it's a silver bullet. But right. I actually think it's the way the world really is. Mm-hmm. And it, it it checks more boxes for me. Yep. Uh, and so that's why I believe it. But it also happens to be the answer uh, that's just on its face. I think the best answer for why God allows evil. Yeah. Well, and I think you said it very nicely, too. And the fruit snacks is not only do you believe it and do I believe it, but 
you look at the world and what the world does in media, you know, you gave several examples of movies and how it's obvious just inherently when you think about things and when, you know, you see these movies where you really believe to your core that free will is how it was intended, right? We shouldn't be enslaved by some machines or body snatchers or, you know, pills or whatever that holds us down and doesn't allow us to act freely as, as God intended us to be. It's interesting that if you look at every one of those movies, the characters or the forces or what have you that are attempting to control people or to restrict people or to determine them or to basically take away their, their free will Mm -hmm. are always the villains. They're always the antagonists. They're never the protagonists of the story. That's right. The protagonists are always the ones who are saying like, no, don't take this away. This is wrong. Mm -hmm. It's evil actually. Uh, and to come full circle mm-hmm. and no, this is right. Even if there are consequences that come from it and they, right. they're some of those movies like adjustment bureau actually address that. Like, I think Matt Damon has a line at one point of just like, I don't care what the consequences are. I don't care how much suffering it brings into my own life. Mm-hmm. This is what I want. And yep. basically don't, don't tell me, don't tell me what I want or don't take away my free will because it's, you know, quote unquote for my own good. Right. Yeah. That's the, that's not, you're not giving me a choice. And the choice is more valuable in his opinion. And I think for a lot of people, it's just interesting. The whole idea of like, we're talking about why a good God would allow evil and that free will is we kind of, some people have kind of poo pooed it as like, well, that's not a good enough answer. And yet we look at entertainment media where where when people take away free will, not only are they bad guys, like they're doing an evil thing. Right. Exactly. So you can't have it both ways. You can't say that, that it is evil to allow free will and then turn around and, and believe that it's evil to take away free will. Exactly. Like you, you just, you can't talk out both sides of your mouth that way, but it's what happens sometimes. And, and I don't think it's always intentional. Right. I just think it's, it's uh it's a symptom of just not having thought through mm-hmm. your position all the way. Right. Well, I think you said it perfectly earlier is it's, it is a great answer to the logical problem. I mean, you know, we've talked a lot about separating between the logical and the emotional and, you know, how close someone might be to a particular question. But, you know, when you do really run it out and you're having that logical conversation, it very obviously answers a lot of these questions is, you know, if you're asking this question from that logical perspective and you're really critically thinking about it, I think most critical thinkers are going to understand where you're coming from and say, okay, yeah, I submit that that makes the most sense out of the alternatives that I might have, or just frankly don't have because I haven't given it any thought. So one of the things that I was thinking about while you were talking was just this notion of certainty because it, what we, what we aren't saying is that we have to be sure that what we believe is a hundred percent for sure, for certain, right. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, We don't know that and we can't know that. So I'll be the first one to say, like, I could be wrong about libertarian free will because I can't have 100% certainty, Mm -hmm. but, but that honestly is a trap that a lot of people fall into where they demand 100% certainty Mm -hmm. before they're going to say that, that yes, I believe that thing. It's like, well, name any other thing in your life that you demand 100% certainty of, Mm -hmm. I mean, even, even if you go with, uh, go with an example, that's 
kind of more emotionally charged, like, are you 100% certain that your spouse isn't cheating on you? Well, like, do I have to be like, I am so certain based on the evidence that I have Mm -hmm. based on the lack of evidence that I have to support that idea. Mm -hmm. No, I I could all, it's always possible. I guess that I could be, that I could be wrong about that, but I'm so certain that I'm not that I'm willing to operate under the assumption assumption that like in, in light of everything I know, this is the best possible conclusion that I can come to right now is that no, no, she's not right. And, and, and truly believe that and not give it another thought in the same way. When we study things like this, or when we look at, when we look at philosophical or scientific questions, scientists do the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. When they develop a theory, they go, okay, based on the evidence we have, based on the data that we have available to us and the lack of supporting evidence to that, that if something else were true, we would expect to see, but we don't in light of all of that, we're going to conclude right now that this, this answer over here, this model over here is the best explanation for what we have. Are right. we 100% certain about that? No. But is it, un, is it reasonable to conclude that, yes, this is, this is true based on everything that we know right now and all the evidence that we have at hand? Yes, it's reasonable. And that's a case that I think has been made for the Christian worldview mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. It's been made for the resurrection of Jesus based on the historical evidence, the, the manuscript evidence, the, all those things. And it's one that we can make with regard to free will as well. Can we be 100% certain that we aren't determined I don't think we can, but I don't think that's necessary either. Right. All all we're saying is that when it comes to free will, we live our lives as if we really have libertarian free will. Mm-hmm. Our society operates as if we really have libertarian free will. Scripture seems to treat people as mm-hmm. if they really have libertarian free will. Mm-hmm. And some of the things that you would expect to see if we were determined or some of the ways you would expect God to talk about us in scripture, if we were really determined, you don't see. Right. So in, in light of the whole thing, the preponderance of all the evidence for and against, this is where I land. Am I hundred percent certain? No, but I don't have to be because you're, there's hardly anything that you are a hundred percent certain about. And we just don't operate that way in real life. Right. So that's, that's where we land. Not because we're, we're saying like, this is it. We've arrived. We haven't, but right. just on the face of it, this is this is where I land. Other people land somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. No, and I think you know you said that very nicely. You know, I think from my perspective, you know, like you said, there's not enough evidence to the contrary for me to believe otherwise. And but yeah, I think it's it's one of those things where I could definitely be wrong. You know, uh, but from what I have, from from what what the Bible tells me, from what you know, I've experienced it, it all leads in one direction for me. So, yeah. And, and that's the same, that's the same way we should treat biblical interpretation too, mm-hmm. is we, we read, we study, we do our best to understand context. Mm-hmm. We do our best to grasp the, the languages and the people and the culture and the original audience and all those things. We in, use scripture to interpret scripture. So yeah. if something is less clear in one area, we go to other places where the same thing is talked about to that's more clear. And we try to sort of pull together a preponderance of 
the evidence for what a given verse means. Mm-hmm. And then we form a interpretation and conclusion about what we think that the Bible teaches about this. Yeah. Knowing at the, the full, all full well that like we might be wrong, we might be mistaken, but right. until or unless we get to a place where we see something else mm-hmm. or we find new, new evidence or, or pieces of the puzzle that we didn't have before, or didn't see before. It's not reasonable to suspend making a coming to a conclusion about yeah. something like, and this is where not just with free will, but just with belief in God in general, I think some people can fall into a trap is they say, well, until I'm sure mm-hmm. I won't, I'll kind of withdraw or suspend a decision. Right. It's like, but you don't do that with anything else. Right. Um, you just make the best decision that you can based on what you know at the time. And if you know at the time right now, if what you're, what you're concluding is that the most reasonable conclusion is that God exists mm-hmm. and that uh, Jesus rose from the dead, then the most reasonable thing you can do is be a Christian. Right. And, and say, I mean, for me, I, I don't hold my Christian worldview blindly mm-hmm. to me like if and I, I again i don't ever believe that i'm gonna see this because i don't think that it actually exists but if for some reason some crazy circumstance came about where someone was able to produce the body of jesus mm-hmm. and somehow some way we were able to definitively prove that no ifs ands or buts it's the body of Jesus. Yeah. I wouldn't be a Christian. Right. Because as Paul says, it all hinges on the resurrection. Right. So if the resurrection didn't happen, it all falls we apart. don't have, yeah, we'd all, the wheels come off. Yep. And and so it's the same thing mm-hmm. uh, with, with just how I just think, look, this is, this is what we have in front of us. It's the best way to explain it. Mm-hmm. So this is where we are. Yeah. And you know, that it does lead into, as you follow up in, in the fruits and axes, looking at, you know, the, the moral implications of, you know, what we call the, the free will paradox and, and looking at it from, you know, if we all have free will, how does that clash with each other? Right. How does my free will interact with your free will? And do I get a free will trump card? Do I, you know, do I get ultimate free will over you? Yeah. Uh, obviously free not. will is not just getting to do whatever we want whenever we want right. to. That's not what we mean by free will. Mm-hmm. And nobody except psychopaths live that way, <laughs> right. right? Like in a society, you, uh, in, not just in a society, in a society, in a family, in a marriage, if it's functioning in a healthy way, then you are compr- making compromises mm-hmm. or suspending what you want. Yeah for what someone else wants and you're, you're working, it's give and take you, Mm -hmm. you do that. So, but that's, that's part of the issue is if, if freedom means just doing what I want when I want, then no one should ever compromise anything because Mm -hmm. that means I'm choosing less freedom and that would be bad. Right. Right. So, but we would look at people who have that view and say like, you're supremely selfish and self-centered and you're not a good person. Right. So it's this weird place of like, Hey, freedom is really important. Mm -hmm. We all agree about that. And yet we also think that people who are willing to give their wants and needs up Mm -hmm. and to compromise on their free will and what they would choose if it were just up to them are doing a good thing. 
So it's, it's this weird little paradox, but that's because there's a level of uh, about freedom that we don't consider in our culture. I'm, I'm reading a book right now uh, by Sean McDowell called chasing love. Mm. And it's a book about a biblical view of love and uh, marriage and sexuality and all that stuff. But mm. one of the things that he talks about is that he posed that same question to his youth. It's like, what's freedom? What mm. really is freedom? And of course the conclusion is what we were just saying is most, most people conclude, well, it just means getting to do whatever I want whenever I want to, right? I'm unimpeded. And his whole argument is biblically, that's not what freedom is. Freedom is not properly understood from God's perspective. Freedom is not doing whatever I want. Freedom is cultivating the right wants Mm -hmm. because there are things in my life that I can freely choose that then have me Mm -hmm. in their in their grip. And now I'm no longer free Mm -hmm. not to choose those things. You know, when you get, when you get uh, wrapped up in an addiction, whether it's drugs or pornography or gambling or alcohol or or whatever, you might be free to choose those things at first. But if you continue to freely choose those things at a certain point, you're not free to not choose those things. And that's not freedom. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it doesn't mean getting to just in some hedonistic way, getting to just indulge yeah. my flesh whenever and however I want, because that's not actually, uh, that doesn't lead to the most freedom Right. from God's perspective. It's we'll cultivate the right desires, the right wants, which we would say align your heart and your mind with the mind of Christ and right. with the perspective of God on things. And as a result, it is going to include paradoxically some restraint, some self-control, but right. The things that you are now free to choose are not things that will ever control you. And mm-hmm. you're going to develop in your life true freedom where in every area of your life, you still retain your ability to do otherwise. Right. You haven't enslaved yourself to anything. Yeah. And that's real freedom is not being a slave to anything mm-hmm. um, sinful or otherwise. Right. And, and so it's. I think it's just we need to elevate our thinking a little bit more and and not just think about freedom as I get to do what I want. That's Mm -hmm. that's a very that's setting the bar way too low, frankly, uh, when it comes to the way the Bible talks about freedom. Yeah, you get the choice to do some of what you want. But more importantly, again, from a moral standpoint, maybe it's it's sacrificial, right? You're sacrificing your time. You're sacrificing. Maybe it's financially. Um, obviously there's, there's a wide variety of, of where sacrifice can come in that, you know, it's not that self-indulgent behavior or, or, you know, some of those examples that you've described and, but it really is coming from because you have that freedom. Like we talk about with the movies, you could have everything set up, right? The, there's the trope of, you know, everybody's got it in this, you know, paradise of life where everybody lives a, a routine that's perfect and everybody's happy and has everything they want that choice element is gone. That freedom element is gone. And so, and what happens in every single one of those movies, the wheels fall off Uh because someone decides I'm not actually free. Right. Exactly. And then they do something that's off script Mm -hmm. and everything blows up. And then people come after that person who, by the way, we're rooting for. Right. Exactly. And, uh, to sort of restore order except, but they realize in the course of the movie that like, it was never actual freedom. Mm-hmm. It was always control. 
like the movie that immediately popped into my head as you were saying that was the uh, oh gosh this is this is an older movie but uh the island i don't know mm-hmm. if you ever saw that yep. one yep. i think ewan mcgregor was in that one but yep. i'm kind of stretching my stretching the limits of my memory here but it's a it's that concept exactly mm-hmm. right like kind of waking up and realizing like this seems like a utopia right. but actually it's a dystopia right we're all under control yep. none of us are actually free and waking up to that is kind of having that moment of like, ooh, this isn't, yeah, exactly. this isn't actually good. And, you know, I think when I think about my relationship and my freedom to freely choose my relationship with Christ, how much more valuable it is because it is something that is freely chosen versus, you know, this kind of pre-programmed robotic relationship of, you know, imagine being married to your spouse, but your spouse is forcibly married to you and the love that she gives you is not by free will, but by force or by some predestined, predetermined, you know, it, this is just how it has to be. Yeah. Not that she chooses to Since be. Since this is the movie episode, you just described the Stepford Wives. Oh, yep. <laughs> which is, I mean, right. And yeah. it's so funny. It's like every situation you describe, you're like, yep, that's a movie. Yeah, exactly. That's a movie. And, because these ideas kind of get, you know, they get in us. Yeah, they're right? intrinsic, and, right? We're thinking about this deeply, you know, even at a superficial, oh, this is just you know, for entertainment purposes, but right. really at a core, we're, again, like you said, we're rooting for our protagonists of, of those being under the thumb. And this is, this is another rabbit hole, but or a rabbit trail, but I, uh, I, what you just touched on there, I think is why again, people parent differently. So that's fine. As long as you, as long as you can square it with scripture and, <laughs> and, and know that you're, you know, I mean, as parents, we're going to, I believe we're going to be accountable to God for how we raised our kids. Mm-hmm. So as long as you're good there, then good for you. As, uh, for our part as parents, one of the things that we're committed to is to say, like, I, I don't want my children to grow up sheltered in the sense that they don't know about life's big questions. They're not exposed to some of the the really, you know, yucky cultural stuff that's out there, but it needs to be done in a way that is uh, metered and controlled, but also very intentional on our part. My my oldest, uh, Robbie, who is five, just a couple couple weeks, maybe maybe it was this past week at church. Actually, we were we were walking to our van to get them buckled in to go home after church, and was a movie that I was talking about watching and he was, he was on the verge of tears. He was so desperate to watch this movie. Mm. This is like a PG 13 movie. He's five. And so I was trying to explain to him as he was getting more and more visibly upset that, you know, the answer was no, like, this is just, no, this is too big for you kind of a thing. And I thought of a, an analogy, something that I had read before. So this isn't me. I'm not this smart. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, was brought back to my mind. I pointed across the the playground area to a metal like we have a um, we have a frisbee golf basket that we use with the youth for uh, one of the, sometimes when we when we throw frisbees around and play games. And I pointed over that and I said, "Hey, do you see that frisbee golf basket over there? And can you go go pick that up for me and bring it here?" And he just stopped and he looked at me like and he's like, you know, his tears are subsiding and he kind of like gets this. He cocks his head and he looks at me. He's like, I can't. I'm like, why can't you just go pick it up and bring it to me? He's like, I can't. I'm like, why, why can't you? He goes, it's too big. It's too, it's too big. I said, 
Yeah. But you know what? Daddy can go pick that up with one hand. It's not too big for daddy. And there are things that are just for, for you right now in your body, cause you're little, there are things that are too big for you to pick up, but they're not too big for your daddy to pick up. And the same thing is true with your mind, right? With your brain, with your eyes and your ears. There are things that right now are too big for you. It doesn't mean that they'll always be too big for you, but it does mean that for right now, they're too big for you. So when daddy says that this is too big for you, you need to trust your daddy that I'm trying, you know, if you tried to go pick that heavy thing up that was too big for you, what could happen? He's like, well, I could get hurt. I'm like, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. If you try to, if you, same is true with your brain and your eyes, right? If you try and put something in your mind or your eyes, that's too big for you. You can get hurt. And I say that from personal experience as someone Mm -hmm. who consumed entertainment and media that I should not have at an age that I should not have. So I know firsthand that it can hurt. It can do damage. And so I'm trying to protect my son from that. It doesn't mean that he's always going to be there. But part of the intentionality is to say, like, I do want to intentionally expose him to some of these movies Mm -hmm. that have some of these important big ideas, these Mm -hmm. intrinsic things that we think about deeply. But doing so not just to be like, Hey man, was that a cool movie or what? But like right. now that we've seen now let's that, talk about, let's that. sit and let's mm-hmm. talk about what were the big ideas? Yeah. What was, what was the good guy? What was their perspective? And is, is, you know, since they're portrayed as the good guy, we're sort of supposed to agree with their perspective that mm-hmm. like, that's the right perspective. Is it, is their perspective the same perspective that God would have, or is it different? And to debrief and to just mm-hmm. sort of pull all this stuff apart and, and to talk about it. So again, that's a rabbit trail, but it goes, it goes to this idea and notion of making intentional choices yeah. about how we, we do things. And again, like, I think we're really free, are free to do those things. So, yeah. Oh, that's great. What a nice parenting win too. Yeah. I mean, and again, I wish I could say that that was an original thought to me, but it's a, it's an analogy that I read a long time ago and I can't even remember where at this point, but it just made such an impression on me because mm-hmm. it's such a, it's such a great way to explain to a kid yeah, on their level in a way that they just, they're going to get, mm-hmm. you know, reasoning from the physical to the the non-physical. Yeah. It makes sense. And I think they're like, oh, well, if that's true here, then it should also be true there. And, you know, again, you can't do that probably too much younger than Rob is right now, but mm-hmm. it, it works for him. But it worked well for yeah, yeah. For, for his yeah. mindset and to well, be able to understand. And I don't know if it worked, but he stopped crying <laughs> that way. <laughs> it sounds like based, based off the way you describe it, that he at least understood from the physical standpoint, you know, that there is limitations there and yeah. you know, that it does somewhat. I don't think translate. he liked it, but he got the point. Of course. Yeah. yeah. So switching gears a little bit, there was a conversation that I had on the uh, most diplomatic and cordial place on all the planet, YouTube. <laughs> and I wanted to share it with you. Normally, as you know, like I don't normally get involved. YouTube is not my mission field. Mm-hmm. And thank God that YouTube is not my mission field, that God did not call me to that because, man, it just sucks the emotional energy energy out of me. YouTube is like an emotional vampire. <laughs> yeah. But there was a video that a... Uh, a Christian apologist posted on free will and he happens to be libertarian 
and he was just explaining some things, answering some objections. And I posted a, a new comment on that video that just basically said from, from, for my money, moral accountability is another really important reason to believe that we really have libertarian freedom mm -hmm. because it was not, that was not a side of the, or a facet of the argument that he happened to bring up in that video. It was pretty short. Mm -hmm. So I brought that up and I just posted that, you know, we all intuitively feel like when someone does something really heinous, like we want to see them punished. The question is why though? Because right. if, if no one can do otherwise, if we're all just determined, then this person couldn't help themselves mm -hmm. uh, and they could not have done otherwise. So why are we so mad at them? Right. And if we're determined, like, why are we determined to, to want justice right. for something that they couldn't control mm -hmm. and we can't feel any different about? Like, right. it's just, it's really odd. And why call it evil? It's really it odd. Yeah. It just doesn't make mm -hmm. a lot of sense. And it's very, it's not very intuitive. Mm -hmm. And so I got a response from someone who I now know to be probably, probably not a Christian for sure, but definitely someone who would be a, a physicalist or a materialist and mm -hmm. that they believe that. Uh, physical or material stuff is all that exists and there is nothing really immaterial. So in response to my initial point about, you know, moral accountability being an important thing to, to think about in the case for libertarian freedom, he, uh, I'm just going to read a few excerpts here. He said, uh, the argument against the existence of free will has nothing to do with morality. It's a method of explaining why your brain is independently intelligent. And then he gives this example of, you know, if you, again, and this is his, his frame of reference, if you were to take a brain and split it into two separate hemispheres, his conclusion is now you have two separate intelligences. Now, I, I don't agree with that. And I get into comments later to saying like, I don't, that's, I don't think the brain works how you think it works. Yeah. Um, so he's definitely not a scientist. This exact as well. experiment has been done and they used to do this on people uh, as a attempt to stop epileptic seizures. Mm -hmm. And it, it worked for the most part. It would dramatically reduce the cross hemisphere uh, electrical activity, which is one of the hallmarks of, you know, like major seizure activity. And mm -hmm. so it, it worked, but the cost was very high. What you ended up with was a person who could access, they, their intelligence was intact. They just couldn't f access and integrate all of that intelligence at the same time because mm -hmm. there was no way now for each hemisphere to communicate right. with each other. So for instance, if they were to, and I'm going to, I'm going to probably screw this up, but it was something to the effect of like, if they took a comb and they put it in someone's uh, right hand, for instance, which would correspond with the left brain. It was something to the effect of like they would, they, if you put it in their right hand, they could tell you what it was called. They could correctly identify the object. And then if they took it out uh, of the right hand, they put it in the left hand. So now you're accessing right brain. They could tell you, or they could show you how to use it, but they couldn't tell you what it was called. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, but, but the intelligence is there. It's just not integrated anymore. Mm -hmm. You can't access all of it. His whole point is like, well, now you have two people and, and even further, and this gets even further, further, further is like, well, uh, he even made the case at one point that if you split a brain in half and you know, one half of the brain believes in God and the other half of the brain doesn't like, does one half of the brain 
go to heaven. And Mm. I'm just like, these are not like what I pointed out was that first of all, the question of whether our choices are actually independent and that we can do other than what we do uh, absolutely has everything to do with moral accountability. I'm not really sure how that connection doesn't get made there, but, um, but what I also said was that it seems like his, he's sort of, and this is something we should all sort of be careful of not only when we're talking to other people, but when we are, that that we're not doing it ourselves and that is that you're we're not sneaking uh our assumptions in at the ground level of our argument mm. for instance he's he was pushing back on this notion of that there is anything immaterial to us and that just like you know even saying things like well if if you if a soul really existed then then that would theoretically that would be made up of stuff too that we could measure and we could look at. So where is the soul, that kind of thing. And part of what I pointed out to him is you are, you're starting with the assumption of materialism. Mm -hmm. You're starting with this assumption that everything that exists is made up of something that empirically, scientifically can be measured, can be put in a test tube, can be weighed, can be also. And for anyone who isn't a materialist, for someone who like myself is a substance dualist who believes that humans are made up of two uh, irreversibly integrated substances, like a body, a body, a physical component and a non-physical component, mm-hmm. that non-physical component is not by definition, it's not material. Mm-hmm. So you can't get soul stuff and put it in a test tube and measure mm-hmm. it. You can't, you can't weigh it. You can't shoot it full of gamma rays and, and see what happens, right? Like mm-hmm. that's not what I mean when I say a soul. So I'm going to just disagree right out the gate that w- with your premise that everything is physical mm-hmm. in some way, shape or form, even if it's like, well, w- we just don't know what it is yet. That's not what I mean. And so uh, from there, we kind of got, <laughs> we kind of got a little bit further into the silly territory, but we, we kind of kept pushing back and forth against this. And every time he would make a counterpoint, he still was sort of smuggling in this, this baseline assumption of materialism. Mm -hmm. And I would keep pointing it out. It just never went away. So Mm -hmm. eventually I just sort of gave up, but to his credit, one of the things that I will say is he was, he was very consistent in his understanding of sort of what would follow if his premises were true. Mm -hmm. And again, I don't think that they are, but for instance, if, this, if all you are is your brain and if all you, uh, if the soul, if the, if the total sum of your parts is all that you are in terms of physical stuff, then it would follow that it's really difficult to get away from determinism, right? Mm-hmm. Which is why so many, uh, so many atheists and agnostics are also materialists because they, they do sort of go hand in hand. Now that's not to say that there don't exist unicorns out there. Like there is, there are some, there are some people who are Christians who say, who hold a physicalist position. Mm -hmm. I'm not really sure how they do that, but they do, or Mm -hmm. they claim to. So you can find except, but they're the exceptions that sort of prove the rule that Mm -hmm. most people are going to fall into this, this category. So this is uh, th- this was without getting 
too much further into the conversation that we had, one of the things that I'll just, I'll make a plug for, cause we've plugged it before is the book, the soul by mm-hmm. JP Moreland, who is, um, he's just great on this stuff. And it's a short book. It's a really, it's, it's a pretty heady read if you don't have a philosophy background, but it's really short and he makes some really, really important points. Like for instance, he talks about the law of identity and the basic idea here, which is what I laid out with this, this uh, gentleman on uh, our conversation was we, you're, you're sort of assuming that the brain is the, the mind is the brain by another name mm-hmm. that it's just, it's the same thing, but I don't think that we have good reasons for granting that because mm-hmm. something called the law of identity in logic is just uh, basically it says that everything is identical to itself. Each thing is identical to itself, which is like, great. What, what does that even mean? <laughs> what it means is that if I, if I see thing a over here, and then I see thing B over here. And I, I suspect that actually thing A and thing B are, they might be the same thing. I might be seeing two examples of the same thing. In order to sort of figure out whether that's the case or not, I should compare them. Because if thing B is really the same thing as thing A, then everything that is true about thing A will also be true of thing B. Mm-hmm. And nothing that is false about thing A will be true about thing B. In other words, there won't be any, there will be perfect overlap and only overlap between the two. And we shouldn't see any distinctions or any differences at all. But if we can find even one thing that is different, that is true of one but not true of the other, then by definition, we're not talking about the same thing. They have to be different. They have to be distinct in some way. So the question is, and this gets into the the whole free will thing, like, and and the immaterial part of us, is there anything that is true of the mind that is not true of the brain or vice versa? Because if we can even find one thing, then we we have to conclude if we're going to be logically consistent, we're not talking about the same thing. The mind and the brain are not the same thing by another name. And as it turns out, there are things that are distinct between them. For instance, uh, the example I shared was the contents of my brain are, by definition, uh, not private. They're, they're public in the sense that a neurosurgeon can put me down on a table. He can, he can pop part of my skull off. And he can poke and prod and examine my brain, mm-hmm. like the, the physical organ mm-hmm. that's open to the public. Like anyone who would be in that room can see my brain, can poke and prod. They can they can mess around. But for all his poking and prodding and measuring and everything, he can't know what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. So the contents of my mind and the contents of my brain are different in that the contents of my mind are exclusively private. Mm hmm. No matter how much you measure and poke and prod on my brain, the physical organ, the doctor will never know what what thought I'm thinking. And even if he somehow could measure and go, oh, you're thinking about this, what he he, then to go another layer deep, he can't know how I feel about the thing that I'm thinking about. Mm -hmm. Right. Because there are certain uh, aspects of our consciousness that are just private. Mm-hmm. And the only way that someone else knows those things is if we elect to make them public right. by expressing them, by talking about them. Mm-hmm. 
And so right there is one example to say like my, uh, the, the contents of my brain versus the contents of my mind, they're, they're not identical, which should tell us that the brain and the mind are not the same thing, right? Which should tell us that there is a physical part to us and an, a, uh, an immaterial part to us, which sort of is a problem. It gets really sticky for if you're going to be a determinist because you're a materialist, right? Um, that's a that's a significant problem to overcome. So the the book The Soul is is a great book. Uh, if you haven't read it, pick it up. But yeah, I mean the the idea though is that this kind of thinking is still really pervasive out there. There are a lot of people who hold the positions that they do because they have a worldview or they assume things that are true that just aren't. And so if we're going to hold the views that we hold. We better know what they believe and why we don't also believe it. Right. And we should also know what we believe and why we believe it so that we can defend it and we can have conversations like this where we really, we really can, can dive in and it can get super nerdy at, at times and you can end up going down some rabbit trails, but I think it's worth it to be able to, again, if God leads you or, or calls you to a, a conversation like this, you just happen to find yourself in one to prayerfully consider whether this is something that you feel like you can defend right. or, or to talk about. And if it is, then go for it. So I don't know, this has been an episode of just utter rabbit trails. We're just like <laughs> all over the place. So like an octopus just sort of here, there and everywhere, but it all sort of in a way all has to do with free will. Yeah. It's just all the stuff that didn't have a neat home yeah. in any of the episodes. Yep. I think so. We're just kind of well, and, kind of and that's the beauty of free will is there was no script for you to follow and and have to stick to a specific. Uh, here's the topic that you have to do, and I, I see what you're getting at there. <laughs> yeah, no, I I, uh, I think it's good, and and it's just, I mean, this is heady stuff, and it can make you it can make you dizzy at times, just mm. sort of thinking about, oh my gosh, this is this is really out there, but mm. it is important to it is important to sort of take a really unflinching and naked gaze at your assumptions about what you really believe. Yeah. And then to just not, and this is hard to do, but to just not look away Mm -hmm. until you're satisfied that you have an answer that Mm -hmm. you, you can defend that you can lay your head on the pillow at night and go to sleep, you know, over. Right. It's the same thing with Christianity. Like I, I, I've told my youth before, I I told them tonight, like if Jesus, if Jesus didn't rise, then like, let's go home. Yeah. Right. Like there, there are reasons Mm -hmm. why I, uh, why I believe what I do, not just about free will, but just, you know, Christianity and, and other things as well. And so much of what we believe, we just sort of accept without really challenging it. And in today's day and age, especially it's really important for us to to come to our own reasoned conclusions about things so that we can say look i again i might be wrong mm-hmm. i'm not I don't have 100% certainty but i have at least done the work to try and build a case and reasons and evidence for why i hold the positions i do and not these positions over here that i could hold and that's all anybody can do yeah but, but then once you come to those conclusions, like own them, yeah. you know, and don't, don't just sit on the fence. And so like for, for you, if, if, if someone is 
on the fence about Christianity because they aren't quite sure and they think it might be true, but they're just kind of holding out hope like just in case it's not. It's like, Mm -hmm. well, what is, where has the evidence led you? Right. And on, on the whole, what, where are you leaning? If you're leaning right now to say like, I think it's true, I still have questions. Mm -hmm. Well, then it's time to commit to Jesus and get your questions answered on the way. Right. Like Like, you said, you don't need that hundred percent certainty. To know that that's okay, a trap. This is enough for me. Yeah. And, and if and you're hungry and you need food, you don't need a hundred percent certainty that that fast food joint didn't, you know, spit in your food. Right. You're probably still gonna eat that burrito or whatever. Right. Yeah. And and that's the thing is like you just have to do the best you can based mm-hmm. on what you know. That's all anybody can do. And it you're it's a trap to to put yourself in a position where you require that kind of that kind of clarity on things because it'll paralyze you. Yeah. It just will. And, yeah. uh, and also I, I, you know, and I'm not, I'm not saying that everyone who holds this view does this, but it can also be a way of purposefully avoiding commitment mm-hmm. to a conclusion that you, your mind is taking you toward, but your, your heart and your will don't want to yeah. be true. And I was talking tonight with one of my youth, just mentioning that whole idea of like, there is a difference between, you know, why, why would someone, why would someone like be not sure about giving their life to Jesus and and committing and and really fully trusting him? It's like, well, there's, there's really two different kinds of reasons. Either it's something in their head Mm -hmm. uh, and it's a, it's a question that they can't square. And if we can just look and see, are there good answers to this question? Okay. That clears it up. Now I'm ready to commit. Or is it a, is it a heart issue? Is it a will issue? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter how many questions you answer. They don't want to concede, right? Yeah. That's different. And mm-hmm. so it's the same thing, right? Like you, if you're, if you're always asking for more and more and more before you commit to like following Jesus, for instance, even though you think that it might be true, it's worth asking, like, is the problem really my head or is, is this a will issue? Right. right. Do I just not want to do this? And it doesn't matter if you're really honest how much evidence you have. It's different. Yeah. It's different. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for joining us on the Rooted Podcast, a creation of Rooted Productions and an affiliate of the Oasis Church in Gilbert, Arizona. For more information about the podcast or to submit a question or comment, please visit us at rooted.productions. Follow us on Instagram at rooted.productions or email podcast at rooted.productions. That's rooted.productions. We hope you'll join us next time.